Good morning, church. It is great to be here with you. I hope all of you had a fantastic, fantastic Thanksgiving, um, as did we. We went to Wisconsin and uh, enjoyed all of the trimmings and all of the things. It was a, a fantastic, fantastic trip, and uh, we're glad to be back with you this morning. Uh, you know, uh, it's true that uh, relationships have a way of reorienting us to what's really important, don't they? Uh, relationships have that, that effect on us. Those, those relationships that are really close have the effect of reorienting us on what's really important, on, on, on just uh, helping us gravitate to what's really central, don't they? It's interesting Several years ago, we had a really good friend, and uh, Lydia actually uh, had been uh, born not, not two months earlier, and, and they were having a child. It was a girl, and, and we were all really excited. But I remember her saying something to the effect of, well, I'm not going to allow having a child to change my life. <laughs> and already two months into new parenthood for JoLynn and I, we thought, oh, yeah, just Wait. Wait until you're woken up at 3 a.m. to a screaming child that needs your attention. And, and, and somehow, some way, her life began to change. And now instead of a, a, a coarseness to her, there's a gentleness and a compassion and a nurturing that exists in her life because relationships have a way of reorienting us. About a year ago, my sister-in-law, Julie, went in for uh, surgery to remove a, a tumor, and uh, over the last year, she's been in chemotherapy. Every Tuesday, almost every Tuesday, my, my bride and I, we try and wear teal on Tuesdays. Ovarian cancer, the cancer that my sister-in-law suffers from is uh, it, it has a color. I didn't know that. And, 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 it's, and it's teal. So every Tuesday, uh, we just try and, and, and from a distance, try and say, we support you. We, we love you. We, we want to do what we can to, to show her that, that her life is important to us. And so we change our wardrobe. It seems a simple thing that, that one can do for someone else that you're in relationship with to try and say, hey, we, we're with you, we love you, we, we want to be a part of that. Relationships, don't they have a way of bringing us back to what's really important, of reorienting our lives to, to, to centering us in something. Several years ago, I had the opportunity, I picked up a book at someone else's suggestion it was called The Advent Conspiracy. It's a Christmas book. It's, a, it's really a, a book about trying to reorient us to this relationship that the church has with Jesus in this time of the year. And saying to the church as a whole, hey, what if we reoriented our lives to what's really central in this time of year? Uh, what, if we, what if we reoriented our lives uh, because of our relationship with Jesus to what's really important, what really means something? What if we allowed that relationship to actually make changes in our life this time of year? And so I took the challenge and I read the book and, and this series, this series beginning today and over the next three weeks is really just about us trying to say we want to come back to what is central. 
We want to come back to, to rethinking what Christmas really is. And, and this morning, we're just going to talk about what it means to worship fully because of this relationship that we have with Jesus. And I want to begin in heaven. Isn't that a great place to begin? If you're reading in your Bibles, uh, you can go to page 863, all the way at the end. Revelation 4 and 5. Revelation 4 and 5. We want to talk about what's in the middle, right? We want to talk about what's in the center. And, and if you're a golfer, you know that you want to get to the center, don't you? Right? You want to get to the center. Not only do you want the center of the green, but you want the center of the club. You want the sweet spot. If you're a baseball player, you know that you want that, that part on the bat that, uh, that's just the sweet spot in the bat. You want to get to the middle of it, right? Because it's got the most pop. Now, you want to get, I, I was really uh, intrigued, I was having this conversation about airplanes the other day, and so I began uh, to look into like airplane instrumentation, and, and there's this little instrument, it's called actually an attitude indicator, and I thought, how appropriate, right? Uh, all of us probably need one of these. Uh, uh, we need an attitude indicator, and what we want to make sure is that when we're flying, right, that we're level, right? Uh, that we're not, not pitching too far to the right or to the left. We need to get to the center, and we want to reorient. We want to rethink Christmas. Revelation 4 and 5 is this scene in worship, all of heaven and all of earth and, and all of the created beings in heaven and on earth are gathered around the, the throne in Revelation 4 and 5. And, and it begins like this. Look in uh, Revelation uh, 4, verse 6. Also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. And in the center, in the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox, and the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Uh, these these uh, crazy-looking creatures who are heavenly beings, and they're gathered around the center. That's what I want you to see. There's this throne in the, in the center of all of heaven, and all of the creatures in heaven and on earth are gathered around this throne. And Verse 8, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is, who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before Him and they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things and by Your will they were created and have their being. It's this incredible scene of worship and you just can't miss it. You can't miss it. This scene where, where everything is lit. I mean, it, it, it is the kind of worship that we long to have in this world, right? 
It's the worship of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. This kind of worship is, is revolving around the throne and all the, the creatures of heaven and, and on earth are, are, are looking around and they're worshiping uh, the one who is at the center. It's worship that's happening and it's, and it's in the middle and the lightning and the thunder and all of the images, it's all about alerting us that God's presence is available, that it's there. And so we're introduced to this throne. And there's people from the old covenant and the new covenant, uh, all that are there. And right in the middle, in this throne, it's not a man wearing a giant red suit with a big belly full of jelly. I want you to hear who it is. In verse 6 in chapter 5, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He came, verse 7, He came and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. And when He had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. This is not something that you would normally see. The Lamb was the one who sacrificed Himself. Notice what they, they say about this Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seal, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And notice what they say in verse 12. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped Him. Jesus is the rock star in heaven. And everybody is gathered around the throne. And they're taking out their cell phones and they're turning on their lights and they're going like this because they recognize something about the presence of God and so they give fully, they have full throttle worship in heaven. Do you recognize that? I mean, it, it, Jesus is the rock star and everybody else gathers around and they're raising their hands and they're giving their voices and they're saying and they're recognizing what it is that Jesus has done. Notice what Jesus has done. He's purchased all people with His blood. He, he, he's taken them away. He's purchased them away from sin and death and destruction you see, worship is, is, is like the atom. In the physical world, the, the atom has a, a nucleus and it has uh, surrounding it, it has these electrons, and, and, and at the center of it all has to be Jesus, and we have to be those uh, that, are, that are gathered around the throne uh, saying in full throttle worship, you are the one who is worthy. 
Gang, we're going to change Christmas. If we're going to rethink this thing, if we're going to allow Christ to reorient us, then we have to gather around the throne that is available to us because He has purchased us with His blood. And we have to come around and say, we are going to worship you. Eugene Peterson, in a book that he wrote many, many years ago, uh, says this about worship. Worship is an act of attention to the living God who rules. He speaks and reveals and creates and redeems and orders and blesses. It's a meeting at the center so that our lives are centered in God and not lived eccentrically. Life without worship consigns us to live a life of spasms and jerks at the mercy of every, every advertisement, every seduction, every siren. If there is no center, there is no circumference. People with no center have no direction and no sustaining purpose. And so let me ask, what is your purpose? As we come together and over the next several weeks, I just want to challenge you that we are going to rethink Christmas And this morning, I just want to say, let's worship fully. That worship isn't just about what happens on a Sunday morning uh, between the hours of 10 and 11.15. That what we have an opportunity to do in allowing our relationship with Jesus to reorient our worship is we have an opportunity to join what is already happening in heaven. That our worship is not here for one hour a week. Uh, Our worship is not about just a building that we gather in. Our worship is every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and on leap year, 366 days a year. We have an opportunity to say in this Christmas season, we will worship fully, and we want to engage God in being part of worship around the throne consistently that's always going on. Jesus gives us a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. I want worship like that. I want to raise my hands like God's the rock star. Eugene Peterson in his uh, book, Reverse Thunder, wrote this again about worship. He said, people who do not worship live in a vast shopping mall where they go from shop to shop, expending enormous sums of energy and making endless trips to meet first this need and then that appetite, this whim and that fancy Life lurches from one partial satisfaction to another, interrupted by ditches of disappointment. Motion is fueled by the successive illusions that purchasing this wardrobe, driving that car, eating this meal, drinking that beverage will somehow center life and give it coherence. But you know that it never does. You know that... The car eventually wears out and the wardrobe eventually finds its way to the goodwill rack or or that loving uh, sweatshirt that that somehow has holes in it that's now the working, working sweatshirt around the house. You want to be full 
you want to have meaning, you want to have purpose drive, uh, then find ways of fully worshiping. Have a deep throat kind of worship. Have a full throttle kind of worship. This is what it means to worship. When we allow Jesus and our, our relationship with Him to reorient and re- how, re- help us rethink how we approach Christmas, the question is, where are you in all of this? How is your worship? Uh, again, not, not how is your worship here, not how is your song singing, uh, not how was the sermon today, not how many prayers did you say today. This is far less uh, a checkmark list that we get to uh, as much as it is uh, an opportunity that we have in all of our work and all of our being just to, to raise our hands to heaven and say, I want to worship you. I want to all, all of this season, all of what I do, all the decorating I do, all the baking that I do to be about you so that everybody that comes around has an opportunity just to say, God, I want this to be about you. Are you willing to rethink Christmas, to worship fully? Relationships have a way of changing us, don't they? And what I'm putting in front of you is the opportunity to allow Jesus to reorient your thinking when it comes to to Christmas, to allow Him to be at the center and for you to be in worship. Our response to God this time of year is to place Him in the center so that we can worship Him. I picked up this quote a couple years ago from uh, actually a website that, that started about this Advent conspiracy. It, it reads like this. It starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. And it ends with Jesus. This is the holistic approach God had in mind for Christmas. It's a season where we're called to put down our burdens and lift up a song to our God. It's a season where love wins, where peace reigns, and a king is celebrated with each and every breath. It's the party of the year. Entering the story of the Advent means entering this season with an overwhelming passion to pursue Jesus to the fullest. Are you willing to reorient, to rethink how you approach Christmas? This isn't the only worship that happens around Christmas. It's not just in heaven, but it was on earth. If you were to look in Luke chapter 2, you recognize that worship is surrounding Jesus from the very beginning. What's really important is at the center, and when we come to Luke chapter 2, we recognize all of the different things that that surround Jesus. Uh, You remember the shepherds? Uh, You may not know this, but shepherds in the first century were were not high class folks, they stink. I mean, think about it. They're out in the wilderness consistently, and, and who are they hanging out with? Who are their best friends? Sheep. Have you ever hung out with sheep? You can isolate yourself by being with your sheep and maybe some other shepherds. And so the shepherds are out in the field. And this host of angels shows up. And suddenly these, these nomads, these, these everyday, ordinary kinds of people 
are thrust into a prominent position of announcing that the Messiah has arrived, that the Savior of the universe has come. And they get to worship fully. And they go around the streets like Paul Revere in the American Revolution. He's here, he's here, he's here. And they find themselves in the midst of fully worshiping. Can I suggest to you that you and I have the same kind of opportunity? That people in rural Iowa can gather around the throne where Jesus is and we can reorient our thinking around Christmas and we can make sure that Christ is at the center. And we can say with the shepherds, we have an opportunity to worship fully, to put Christ in the middle. And we can check our attitude indicator and we can make sure that this Christmas, as we rethink and we allow Christ to reorient us, that we are worshiping fully, that it's not about us, but it is about Him. I love the story in, in Luke when Jesus is presented at the temple. And there's this couple there, this old couple, and, and, and not married, but, but there's this old woman and there's this old man, and, and they have been waiting consistently every day. They have been asking themselves, uh, perhaps today is the day. Uh, perhaps today is the day that, that we see the Messiah. Uh, perhaps today is the day that He comes. And one day He does come. And Anna and Simeon gather around Jesus, and they look at Him, and they reorient their lives so that they can see Him and worship fully, and they give him their praise. And if you look in Matthew and the Christmas story uh, that unfolds in Matthew's gospel, you recognize that it wasn't just a bunch of Jews, that it was Gentiles, and, and somehow, uh, some way, uh, uh, they're following this star. And when they come to Herod and they ask him about the king of the Jews, do you remember what they say? We want to go and worship him. And so we have that kind of opportunity. This time of year to reorient our thinking because of our relationship with Jesus, uh, to place Jesus firmly in the center and just say, we are going to worship. We're going to worship like those in heaven. We're going to worship like those uh, that were there, that first opportunity with Jesus on earth. So the question is, how do we reorient how do we rethink this Christmas? How do we make this has happen? How do we worship like this season is about Jesus and not about us? How do we worship fully? What tangible things can we do to try and reorient this Christmas? I don't know the answer to all of those questions, but I do know that worshiping fully is not about punching a clock it's not about listening to a sermon or having communion or giving an offering. It's about being fully present before the throne of God and just simply saying, I will allow you to reorient my life. I, I will allow you the opportunity uh, to just shape and mold me so that I can fully worship you. So the question is, 
How will you allow Christ to reorient your life so that you can worship fully? Some of these aren't original with me, but I really like them. Maybe you can just simply celebrate. Maybe you can simply celebrate. No Grinches allowed this Christmas. Have you ever gotten to that point? Gentlemen, I'm going to speak to you. Because if you're anything like me, sometimes the stuff that happens around Christmas, you can walk around the house going, I really hate this. Maybe your wife is after you to, to put up the lights or, or on the Christmas tree or on, outside, and, and she turns on the Christmas music, and, and she's hopping around the house. And she's baking cookies, and, and that all is well and good, but you really have other things that you need to do, right? Maybe it's just me. But if you're anything like me, sometimes you, 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 can, you can get into this mode of kind of Grinch mode and your hair starts to turn green and your heart gets small. And you can begin to sing the Grinch's song. Celebrate the season. Instead of looking at the tree like, uh, like it's something else and, and why do I have to do this and why do we have to decorate and why do we have to listen to Christmas music, uh, maybe just reorient your thinking and celebrate the season. And make the, the putting up of the Christmas lights and make the listening to the Christmas music and, and make the baking that's happening and make the gatherings that are going to happen around the Christmas holiday season, make them about Jesus. And as you put up the lights and, and as you uh, bake and as you have friends over and as you do those things that oftentimes happen around Christmas, uh, maybe what you just begin to do is, is say, Jesus, I want to make this a celebration about you. I get, to, I get to put up lights on a tree that we can celebrate you. I get to put lights on outside. We get to have friends over. We get to bake because of you. When I go through the stores and I'm listening to Christmas music, it just is another opportunity for me to go, you know what? Christ did come. And he did sacrifice himself. You know why Christ came? He was born so that he might die and died so that you and I might live. Celebrate this season and reorient your thinking. Celebrate the greatest thing that could ever happen. Graham Hendrick, a British songwriter, said there's no solos in heaven. Celebrate the presence of people that you have around you. No one sings alone. We join in, we plan, we decorate, we bake because Jesus is worthy of our worship. Celebrate the season. What else can we do? Freely give and freely receive. Now we're going to get into spending less and giving more. Those are the upcoming sermons for this series I'm not saying that we give in excess so that we're in debt for three months after Christmas. That's not what I'm advocating. I'm saying maybe we can have fun giving and receiving. It's not about not giving. It's about allowing our giving and receiving to be done in a way that we can enjoy Jesus in the process. You see, Jesus gave himself. So perhaps there's opportunities for you to give yourself and not just a gift. 
What I found over the years of ministry and over the years of my life that it's a whole lot easier to give a gift card than it is to give myself. It's a whole lot easier to, uh, to give someone else a, a gift basket and say, uh, there you go, go along, uh, do your thing, than it is to invite them over to my home and have dinner with them and to converse with them. Give the gift of your presence. Receive and give. And give well. Allow your life to be about Jesus and finding focus and, and, and just giving and receiving your presence. Find a new focus. Find a new focus this Christmas. It's not about finding the best deals on more Christmas stuff, is it? It's not about going online this afternoon and scouring Amazon for hours on end to try and find the best Black Friday deal after Black Friday. That's not what this is about. It's about Christ's presence and His opportunity to be with His people. So maybe you can worship fully by simply refusing to allow the culture to define you and what you do this Christmas season. And instead, maybe you recreate culture and you do it in the name of Jesus and you say, you know what, he came and there was this Messiah and he did something amazing. And maybe you rebel against the empire of more and you invite others into this experience of worshiping fully with Jesus. You know, there's three pillars of, of our church, things that we, we value deeply. Uh, we, we have said, we want you to invite, we want you to share, and we want you to serve. What an opportunity to think about things differently, to find a new focus in, in those three things. What can I invite people into this Christmas? What can I share with them about me and about Jesus uh, that reorients our life to the center? What is it? that I can do in serving. Invite, share, and serve this Christmas. Reorient your life to find a new focus. And finally, let me just say this. Be creative. Be creative in how you create new tradition. I love random acts of kindness. And what I love about random acts of kindness is that to the person that is doing the random acts of kindness, it's not random at all. Uh, decide to do something uh, out of the ordinary, something that uh, someone else is not going to think of. Do the random act of kindness. Maybe you have the means to pay off someone else's layaway. Uh, maybe you give an unexpected gift. Maybe you volunteer your time to tutor kids. Maybe you just simply shut the television off for a while. And you say, you know what? We're going to play a game. Uh, by the way, students, games are these things. You get them in boxes and you pull them off the shelf. and Play a game together. Have you ever played a, a, a rousing game of Mad Gab with someone? You cannot play Mad Gab without beginning to laugh hysterically and you walk away uh, not, just, uh, not just having played a game but have gained something in a relationship. Uh, gang, we have an opportunity to worship fully, to say, you know what, this world that we live in is far more about than just the stuff that we have but the relationships that we keep. Celebrate Christ's presence by doing something out of the ordinary 
volunteer your time, go to the soup kitchen, sponsor a family, but celebrate. Celebrate by developing something that to you and to the people that you're around just simply says, I am going to worship fully. That, that worship that happens in heaven every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, I want to make that a part of my life in this season. I want to come back to the center. I began this whole, whole sermon just simply by saying, relationships reorient us to what's important. Relationships reorient us to what's in the middle, to what's in the center, and I'm encouraging you to do the very same. Come to the center. Check your attitude indicator and worship fully as you rethink your relationship with Jesus this time of year. Can we do that? Let's worship fully. I'm going to pray. Gracious Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that uh, you give us uh, guidelines in your word just about how we can come around your throne and we can worship fully. Help it not to be about more stuff. Help it to be about your presence. We gather around your throne as people who love and honor you so that we can worship fully and help others to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.